<clears throat> Jesus who died, now crucified, King of all kings. What's that noise? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thought we were fixing to get raptured up. <laughs> yeah, when you think about that, he who died is now glorified, the king of all kings. Majesty. What a wonderful song to end the worship with. You know, I was part of a funeral Friday, did the graveside. And this lady was a part of our church for many years. And uh, I brought up how that she had all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I said she was all about love. You know, she took 1 Corinthians 13 and speak what love is. Well, we know you can insert Jesus' name there also. But love, and it covers all of that. Well, the same way I said you can take her name and put it there because she was love. But I said, I want you to remember this, that it wasn't her, but it was Jesus in her. All she did was yield to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in Jesus Christ. And then what happened is that fruit reproduced and it multiplied. By her yielding to it, then she became a lady that was filled with the love of God. And you know that's true of all of us. It's how we yield to Christ is how we grow and reproduce. I mean, I have known people, and I'm very sure they were saved, but it's like they never matured in the fruit of the Spirit. And I mean, they had some fruit, but they were minimal. And you saw others that they just continue to grow and manifest those fruits. And so sometimes we wonder, why is it that some never seem to reproduce? You know, why do they never seem to mature in those fruits? Well, Jesus said, some have eyes, but they see not. And some have ears, but they hear not. He said others do have eyes that see and they have ears that hear. So the difference is those eyes that truly see and those ears that truly hear are spiritual eyes. They're spiritual ears. They're hearing the things that are of the Spirit of God. So when we talk about the Spirit, what we're talking about, those things that be of God. And so if you think about the difference between the spiritual man or woman and the spiritual and the physical man or woman, what's the difference in the two? One's a believer, one is not. One has faith in God. The other one has faith, but they have faith in themselves and in their ability to do things. And they have faith in other people. They have faith in the things they can see they can touch. And they're looking for a fulfillment and contentment in this world, the things of this earth. And we know that he said, those things are all temporary. They're going to all pass away. Then what? Then where will they put their faith? But that one that is of the Spirit of God is the one whose faith is in God and in the things that are unseen that one day will become sight. Faith will one day become sight. So all of those things are eternal. And so that's where we put our faith today is in those things that we cannot see. And sometimes the world thinks that we're a little far out there, you know. <laughs> You're believing in somebody you can't see. 
Yeah, I do, but I've got something to back it up. This has never been proven wrong. People have tried, and a lot of people that tried to read this and study it and prove it wrong got saved during the process. <laughs> so we know the Word is living Word of God, right? It is alive, and people's hearts are changed by just reading it and comprehending those things. So there is the spiritual man or woman. There is the physical man or woman, and they're entirely different. And I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 4, and we'll see what happens when a person is saved and how the change that takes place is within, and then it moves without. And here's the process that takes place in 2 Corinthians 4, and looking at verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or apparent in our body. In verse 11, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or obvious in our mortal flesh. That's the process that takes place. When we get saved and we start dying to our selfish self and then begin to live for Christ, the process starts taking place immediately. Jesus comes to what? He lives through us and we emulate his love. That's what this lady was doing. She was emulating God's love because he lived inside of her and had those nine fruit of the Holy Spirit that are prevalent. And she didn't squash those fruit, but she fed those fruit. She yielded to them, and they grew. And look at verse 16. And as you well know, I almost always use these three verses when I come here, because to me, they're so important that I just continue to have to go back to them. For which cause we faint not, for though our outward man perish, the flesh, this body, and we're all very aware of that, that it's perishing at this very moment, we're not the same we were when we were 20, 30 years old. We know it's perishing. But our outward man perish, yet the inward man, the spiritual man, the spiritual woman is renewed or rejuvenated day by day. So as one is perishing, the other is what is being rejuvenated. It's something how we're drawn closer and closer to God. The closer we get to meeting him, the closer we are to him. And that's because we're being rejuvenated, renewed, refreshed from within. While we look not at the things which are seen, and that is the, the man or the woman who is looking at the things of this world to bring their fulfillment, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why I like to read those three verses because to me it explains explicitly what's happening in each one of us when we get saved. And you can very well see why that process is taking place within the Christian. And you can see the unbeliever that is headed away toward hell's fire. But we that believe 
are headed, headed toward heaven's glory. And so two different directions. One looking to the world to be fulfilled, to find the things that fulfill the desires of the flesh. And one who is doing what verse 10 and 11 says. They are being transformed continually by putting their flesh to death and allowing Jesus Christ to be more alive each and every day that we live. So we're closer to him every day as we submit to him. Now, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. There won't be a whole lot of going through different chapters of the Bible today. They're going to be very close together. Luke chapter 10. And here's two sisters. You're very aware of who they are when we start reading this. But they were different. And the difference you'll see is that one was spiritual. And she stood out because of what she was receiving from Jesus Christ. You look at chapter 10 and verse 38 of Luke. And he said, he that showed, wait a minute, I'm on a, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now you remember Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, right, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So here's these two. And she had a sister, verse 39, called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered, or she was burdened, about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Jesus knows all things, right? There's nothing he doesn't know. So, I mean, he looked right into her soul, didn't he? Right into her heart, right into her mind. And that's why he said what he did, because he knows everything about every one of us. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha... Martha, thou art careful or anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is what? Needful. One thing's needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, that needful part she has chosen, which shall not be taken away from her. Now here's Martha. She's She's doing something important. She's trying to get a meal fixed for everybody. But at the same time, she missed something. You know, a lot of people put the cart before the horse instead of the horse before the cart. And if you try to put the cart before the horse, you're going to be doing what Martha was doing. Because Mary was taking time to partake of the bread for her soul before she helped prepare the bread the stomach. Martha, on the other hand, jumps right out without partaking of the bread for her soul. And what happens? She's anxious. She's troubled about many things. Have we ever been there? Certainly. We've all been there at one time or another when we didn't take time to sit at the feet of Jesus and partake of that bread. And then what happened? It seems like everything just came at us at one time. And we were overwhelmed, just like Martha was. 
Well, John 6 and 35 says, I am the bread of life. And so the bread that Jesus is, is the word and the truth. They're all three one. Jesus, what, the word became flesh and dwelt among man. That's the word of God became flesh, Jesus Christ. And he is the truth. He said in himself, I'm the way, the what? The truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So we see <clears throat> that Martha's problem was one that a lot of people suffer from from time to time because they don't take that time to feed their soul before they try to feed others. We have to first receive something before we can give something to somebody else. You know, these messages that I preach first, they're for me. I partake of them before I ever preach them to somebody else. God gives it to me, and then I try to correct my life or examine my life or change things that need to be changed in order that that message will be effective to me. And then preach it to others. But Martha had not yet received, so she had nothing to give. Mary was receiving in order that she could give. Now, if you look at Luke 9 and 51, 9 and 51 of Luke. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will that that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Jesus always had the right answer, didn't he? He said, you're not of the right spirit. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. They went to another village. James and John was acting out of the flesh at that moment. And who were these in this village? Of course, they were Samaritans. So the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans, and the Samaritans have nothing to do with the Jews. And so it was easy for them to say, well, just call down fire from heaven. We'll destroy these Samaritans. But if there had been a village of Jews, do you think they would have said the same thing? I don't believe so. You see, when the Jesus went through Samaria, <clears throat> he knew what he was doing. Knowing all things, he sat down at the well of Sychar, and he was waiting for somebody. Who was he waiting on? This woman that was a Samaritan came there and she came to draw water and Jesus says, give me water. Why should I give you water? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We have no dealings with each other. And he said, I've got water that if you drink of, you will never thirst again. So that was why he was there at that well. He was there to give this specific Samaritan woman living water, which is the Spirit of God. 
And so was he being a respecter of persons like James and John were? No. He showed by going through Samaria, or by sitting on that well, that he was not a respecter of persons, but he was offering to her just like he would anyone else. James and John were not in tune yet, and I use the word yet because they would be in time, that their spirit was not right. It was not the right one. And Martha's spirit was not right at that time because she was leaving out what was most important. God sees things in ways that men and women do not see unless they do have eyes that see and ears that hear through the Spirit. Ephesians 5 and 16 says, Walk in the Spirit or live in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. And that's how we're able to resist those things that before we were partakers of. Martha could not see beyond the physical, even though the very Son of God was standing right before her. She still could not see. 1 John 4 and 18 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So when you think about how love works in a person's life, you realize that that love, as it says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, the Lord giveth not the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The power is authority. The sound mind is a mind that is focused on the Lord. And that's why that mind does not vacillate back and forth when it's focused on God. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so this was the opposite of what Martha had going on in her mind. She was troubled. She was anxious. And Jesus said about many things. But there was Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she was drawing from this peace, from the peacemaker. What does he say in John 14 and 27? Peace I leave with you. My peace give unto you, not as the world gives, give unto you. Let not your heart, what? Be troubled, neither let it, what? Be afraid. And so the peace is just the opposite of what a lot of people are carrying around on their back right now. They're carrying around the anxiety, the fear, the worry. What's going to happen tomorrow? What else is going to happen that's going to add to all the tragedy that's taking place in America? Instead of doing what Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You see, the key word is trust. Trust is having confidence in God because we know that he loves us. I'll never forget years ago when my granddaughter, who is now 20, she was about four years old. And we were out in the backyard. I was under the patio working on something and she was out and a bolt of lightning came. And I mean, it wasn't far away. And she ran straight for me, put those little arms around my leg and was just holding on tight as she could. She didn't run from the door, for the door. She didn't run somewhere else. She ran straight for her grandpa. 
Because you know what? She knew her grandpa loved her, and her grandpa was going to do everything he could to protect her. And she's just holding on. And I said, Haley, the Lord's in charge of that. Nothing's going to happen except the Lord is in charge. But you see, it's the same way. That's what love is. When we truly love God with all of our heart, we know that we can trust him no matter what takes place on this earth, no matter what happens in our life, that he is going to see to it that we are in his hands. We are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, and he is our shepherd. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he'll do what? He'll guide your path. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, and it'll be health to thy neighbor, and it will be marrow or strength to thy bones or thy soul. Trust in God with all. He didn't say trust the Lord with almost all of your heart, did he? 50%, 75%, 99.9%, no. All of our heart. And so we have to keep going back to that. Do I trust him? You know, a lot, a lot of people will obey God in everything that he says the best of their ability. But you know where some fall short? They don't trust God with all their heart. And they wonder why at times they're like Martha, anxious, troubled about many things because of the lack of trust. Does God not see that lack of trust? Certainly he does. And I think it bothers him when he sees us not trusting him with all our heart because he is able, just like little Haley ran straight to me because she knew there was protection. Same way, if we will run to God the way that my little granddaughter ran to me that day, when we feel overwhelmed, do what Mary was doing. Feast at the feet of Jesus. And guess what? This is his word. The word became flesh and dwelt upon man. This is what we feast on, on God's word. Anytime we feel like we're about to be overwhelmed, if we don't have scripture memorized that we can draw up, Go to the Word of God. Keep a little Bible with you. They've got little Bibles <laughs> that you can keep somewhere. Keep it on you if you can't memorize Scripture. A lot of people have trouble memorizing Scripture, but they can keep a little Bible with them where that they can turn to that in those times and find the help that they need. If you will, look at Luke 10 and 25. Ten and twenty-five, and behold, a certain lawyer. Now here is an expert in the laws of God, is who this lawyer is. Stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? You see, there's the monkey wrench men thrown in. Who's my neighbor? Well, we go back to what James and John were willing to do to the Samaritans, willing to call fire down from heaven. So here's a Jew expert in the laws of God, but who's my neighbor? And 
Are you thinking what I am? Is he thinking, well, is a Samaritan my neighbor? You know, so he's got something going on in his mind here. So Jesus is going to clear up for him, though. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, what's going on here? Why is he going and taking steps away from the wounded man instead of going to the wounded man? Well, if you read up a little earlier, it said that the thieves took all his raiment, all his clothes. So he's laying there naked. The Levite says, I wonder if that's a Jew or if that's a Samaritan. He can't tell. So if it's a Jew, he'd go right up to him. Can I help you? But if it's a Samaritan, then no, I'm not going to get close to him. I don't want anything to do with him. Could that be what is going on here? Because look what happened with the next one. Verse 32, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So they're not getting anywhere close to this wounded man. And I believe it's because they don't know who he is. But verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. <clears throat> now what was it that the lawyer quoted from the word? To love your neighbor as yourself. What happens when a person really has love in their heart? They have compassion, right? They care about that injured person, no matter who they are. That's real love. That's what agape love is, is that it's not a love that's conditional. It's unconditional. And you saw that in the Samaritan because he was willing to help no matter who it was. Just like Jesus at the well of Sychar, a Samaritan woman, what is he doing? He's reaching out to her. And what does she do after she believes in him? She goes and tells the whole village and all these Samaritans come down and begin to believe. She was the first one of those. They heard what she said and they came. And then verse, oh, the last part of that. Well, just re we'll read 34. And went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and did what? Took care of him. Another attribute of love is caring about people. It's having compassion, and it is caring about them. See, this Samaritan is showing the attributes of the love that was quoted at the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. He's doing that. And then he said, on the morrow, verse 35, he departed and took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And of course, here comes the doctor of the law, the lawyer, and he said, he that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, 
go and do thou likewise. <laughs> so he revealed to him, even mercy is part of love. So here's love being exploded and revealed for what it really is. The Samaritan showed it. The Levite, the priest did not show it. The lawyer did not show it. James and John did not show it. When they were ready to call fire down from heaven and destroy the Samaritans. That would all change, we know, later on, wouldn't it? When they received the Holy Spirit at the Pentecost. So, we are like that injured man. Lying in the ditch, bruised from sin, and we needed help. We needed to be healed. By his stripes, we are healed. So what did Jesus do? He was the good Samaritan that came from heaven. He saw us bruised by sin, and what did he do? He saved us and healed us. Just like the Samaritan took care of the injured man, it didn't matter. And you know what it says in Romans 10 and 13? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not selective, is it? That means you can be a Jew, you can be a Greek, you can be a Samaritan, you can be a Gentile. And the Lord says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad that when it came your time to be saved, that Jesus showed mercy and compassion on you? I'm so glad that he did show it to me because you know what? I didn't deserve it. I deserved hell. But he had mercy and he had compassion. And he loved me. And he loves you. And that's why you're sitting here this morning. You see, you could be anywhere else but in church this morning. But you know what? We want to start our week out like Mary did. We want to start out eating the bread. Because we don't know what's going to happen this coming week. But you know what? If we've been feeding at the feet of Jesus on his word. And you know what? It's like when someone is sick and their immune system kicks in and that bug is trying to get in their body and bring a disease and guess what? Their immune system says no and it kicks it out. That's what the phys physical immune system does. It overpowers those germs and those bugs that are trying to get in your body and destroy it but your immune system kicks in guess what the same thing happened spiritually Mary was building her immune system but when those things did try to come on her the anxiety, the trouble the worry the fear guess what her immune system the word of God would kick in and kick out those things. You know what I'm talking about. You know they're always trying to keep creep in, aren't they? Fear about what's going to happen tomorrow. 
What if you get this, or what if your family gets that? What if this happens? Always the devil's trying to put what fear in there. But you know what? We know a God of certainty. We may live in uncertain times, but we know a God that is certain. We know a God who is going to keep his promises. I will never leave you or forsake you so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? What shall I fear? When you've got God as your helper, guess what? Who can overcome you? And we have God as our shepherd, our spiritual shepherd that is looking out after us. So we realize that we have a good Samaritan that's taking care of us. The things that the world gives will one day be taken. But the things that the Lord gives will never be taken away. The love, the joy, the peace. The assurance that God gives us. The other morning, it had rained all night. And it was cold. It was 42, 43 degrees. We had some flowers out there on a the patio in a pot. And I looked at them, and they were just smashed down, <laughs> flat like a flitter, you know. And I thought, well, it might be over those little flowers, you know. It may have been too much for them. The rain, hard rain all night. But, you know, a little later, some sunshine came out and started hitting those flowers. And the warmth and the rays of, of the sun, those flowers started perking up and looking like these. <laughs> and I thought, they were flat as a flitter a while ago, but now look what's happened to them. So the sun made a difference in those flowers. And you know, we're the same way sometimes. You know, we get beat up by the world, don't we? <laughs> you know, we get it on all sides from the top and the bottom and all the way around, just, just like those little flowers laying flat down. But then what happens? We get into the Word of God. And you know what? He starts doing the thing. The Son of God begins to do what the bright sun does to the flowers, the Son of God does to our soul. And he starts rejuvenating us. And we realize that once again, he has shown us that he is the one that is able to keep us healthy spiritually. A lot of times, we may feel like that, you know, I've done this or I've done that or I hadn't done this or I hadn't done that. And a lot of times we may feel like, you know, that I'm just not pleasing God. But you know what he says in Romans 8 and 1, There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Romans 8 and 1. No condemnation. So when we're born of the Spirit of God, the Lord knows that there will be times that we will displease Him. But aren't you thankful for grace and mercy and forgiveness and for the love of God? He is a merciful God. He is a loving God who is caring for us constantly. We don't have to feel that condemnation because a lot of times it comes straight from the devil and he's trying to make us feel guilty and ashamed. But the Lord assures us that he's got all of that covered. It says in Titus 3 and 5, Not by works of righteousness, 
which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean, regeneration? It's like you take a, a motor that's wore out, say on your washing machine. You take that thing, you put new brushes in it, new rotor, and you put it back on there and it runs like it's brand new. What did you do? You regenerated that old motor. That's what God does with us. He regenerates us. We're born of the Spirit of God. We are a new person in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature, old things pass away, and all things become new. All things. So we're regenerated, just like that motor regenerated and works like new. We get regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And you think about the Word of God and what it does in our life. Think about John 8 and 32. Know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Romans 8, John 8 and 36. So the Word of God is doing in us constantly something to draw us closer to him. Draw nigh to God and he will what? Draw, to, draw nigh to you. So when we go back as we end and look once again at 2 Corinthians 4, I want to look at that verse 10 and 11 as we close because to me they are what this message is all about. And I want to close with those two messages from 10 and 11 because it's a matter of dying to self and living for Christ. Verse 10 of four, chapter 4 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body or apparent in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or obvious in our mortal flesh. So as we grow in Christ, we are to be a light in this world. We have something that the world needs. We see people all the time that are at the end of their rope. They're so discouraged. They feel like there's no hope. And yet we have the joy of Christ living right inside of us. We have the love of Christ living right inside of us. And we have the hope living inside of us. And so we're to be like a John the Baptist. What did he say? Make straight the way of the Lord. A voice crying in the wilderness. John went about. He was revealing the path of the Lord. We're to do the same thing. Some people are shy about talking to other people about the Lord. But you know what? We can all live before them as a child of the King. We can have that love and that joy and that peace and that assurance. And people see that in us and wonder how can they have that joy, that peace, that love in the world that we're living in. And it's because it's of God. And we as his children are 
living out as his ambassadors here on this earth. He died in order that we could be saved on that cross. And now we are to die to self and we are to be his ambassadors here on this earth and revealing that path to him. That lady that passed away and we did her funeral, she left a legacy behind to her children, her grandchildren, and all the people that knew her. And you know where that legacy was pointing? It was pointing to Jesus Christ. And that's what John the Baptist was always doing. And that's what we do with our lives when we live close to Christ, that people see that love in us. They say, that's not the love that I see on this earth. <laughs> I see just the opposite. I see people that are resentful toward others. I see people that are unforgiving toward others. That is the opposite of peace. When someone cannot forgive another for what they have done, that way that person sees that that forgiveness is greater than a physical ability to forgive. It has to be of God. When Jesus looked down and saw them that had put him on the cross, he could have called one angel and smote every one of them. Just one angel. But he did just the opposite. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You see, a lot of people are under the control of the devil and they're doing what he's leading them to do. But we that are under the control of the Holy Spirit are to be just like him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They're under the control of the evil one. In whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into their hearts. They're blinded by the devil. They don't see like we do. That's why they do the things. A lot of the people in the government, that's why they do the things that they do. They make the decisions against the word of God instead of for it. And what are we to do? We're to pray for those that are in authority, that their hearts will be saved, that they'll turn to Christ, and that they will be a, a new man or woman in Christ. So we have a lot to do. We're responsible for a lot. And it is just to live out in front of a world that is turned against God and to begin to live for him in a way that is going to touch other people's lives. And if you can speak to people, yes, tell them about your Savior and what your Savior has done in your life and how much he loves them. And that may open that door for them to see there's a better way. Dear Lord, we thank you for these that have come this morning. We pray for those that are not here this morning for different reasons, Lord. If it is the health issues, we pray for them, Lord, that they might be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, if it's other reasons, you know what they are. We do lift them up in prayer. We thank you for these that are here. And Lord, when we leave this church, that's our, our ministry. That's that field that is white in the harvest is outside of these doors. And sometimes we think that people are our enemy, but actually they're the ones, Lord, that are our ministry. Sometimes those that disagree with us, 
sometimes those that make it hard for us are the very ones that we're to show the love of Christ to. Because we realize agape love is without conditions. And Lord, you showed that when you told about the Good Samaritan is that he had compassion, showed mercy, and cared for that wounded one. And Lord, that's our ministry on this earth is to go and do the same thing. Is it, it may be just calling someone that's been discouraged. It may be helping someone. It may be giving food to someone or clothes or water to the thirsty or visit that one in jail or in the hospital or that's sick. But all of these things, Lord, we realize that we are doing it to them, but we're actually doing it unto you. When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it as unto me. And so when we minister in your name, Lord, we're doing it to you. And you sense that, Lord. And that's what we're to do here. You didn't come to destroy, but to save. And Lord, that's our ministry also, is that we're not to hurt and destroy or to maim. But Lord, we are to encourage we're to pray for those. We're to lift them up. And if we can help them in any way, then that is doing what you would do if you were here. You would be out in the highways and the byways, and you would be ministering to those that have a need. So open our heart this morning, Lord. Just fill it full of your love and your joy and your peace, Lord, and your assurance and Lord, if there's anything in our heart that you've revealed to us through this message, Lord, may we examine that. Is it something that needs to be removed from our life permanently? And any stronghold can be removed by the power of God. And in its place, the Spirit of God will fill that with, Lord, your presence. So we thank you, Lord, for coming today, ministering to us, Lord, and worship through the prayers, Lord through the Word of God. And Lord, may we leave different than when we came in, something that we've gained while we've been here that we'll take with us as we go. And I lift up Carol McMillan this morning, Lord, and her family, Lord. Would you just comfort them in this time, Lord, as only you can do? We know that you're the God of all comfort. Help them through this time with Charlotte's passing, Lord. Lord, we know Charlotte's suffering is over. She's with you, Father. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more pain. Former things are passed away. Thank you for her life here on this earth. Now be with her. And Lord, be with this family and help them through this time. And all the close friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord, Lord, touch each and every one. And Lord, be with us now as we go back out into a world that is not peaceful, that's not harmonious, that is not loving, but is just the opposite. And let our light shine, Lord, as you did. And may we be just like a John the Baptist. We pray in thy holy name. Jesus Christ. And Father, we love you. Amen.